0: It's Wednesday, May the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Anthony Fauci's warning and Rishi Sunak's extension. First, the world in brief. Anthony Fauci, America's leading infectious diseases expert and a member of the White House's COVID-19 task force, warned of needless suffering and death should stay-at-home orders end too soon. Small clusters could turn into outbreaks, he told the Senate. Dr. Fauci's message contrasts sharply with the rhetoric of President Donald Trump, who has encouraged states to ease restrictions. Several have begun to reopen. In a sign that Russia's COVID-19 epidemic is accelerating, the country reported more than 10,000 daily infections for the 10th day in a row. It now has the second greatest number of infections in the world after America. Brazil, another emerging hotspot, reported 881 deaths from the virus, its highest daily total yet. Both countries' presidents want lockdown restrictions loosened. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi announced an enormous wadge of spending to sustain the country through the pandemic, $260 billion, or 10% of GDP. Details were scarce, though Mr Modi promised relief for the millions of internally displaced migrant workers, many of whom face hunger. He also flagged off a new era of self-sufficiency, post-colonial code for autarky. The Trump administration ordered that an American federal pension fund, the Thrift Savings Plan, with around $600 billion under management, stop investing in all Chinese companies. The White House says they pose national security threats and might become subject to sanctions. There is a growing clamour among Republicans to devise punitive measures against China, which they accuse of covering up facts about COVID-19. Rishi Sunak, Britain's Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced plans to extend the government's jobs retention scheme until the end of October, although the size of the furlough subsidies will be scaled down in the coming months. Firms had warned of mass layoffs if the programme were not extended. Ryanair, Europe's largest low-cost airline before the pandemic, announced plans to resume 40% of its flight schedules in July. Air, a budget rival, has also restarted some flights. Meanwhile, IAG, a group of flag carriers, may delay its reopening in response to plans by several European countries, including Britain and Spain, for 14-day quarantine periods for incoming travellers. And Afghanistan ordered the resumption of hostilities against the Taliban following two terrorist atrocities yesterday. Gunmen stormed a maternity hospital in Kabul, killing at least 16 people. Another 26 died in the bombing of a funeral in Nangarhar. Though the Taliban denied responsibility, the government is prepared to regard a peace deal the insurgents signed with America in February as void. And now, here's today's agenda. Going rogue. Faithless electors. Americans may soon have another reason to scorn the Electoral College, the institution that picks presidents six weeks after election day. This morning, the Supreme Court takes up two cases that ask whether the Constitution frees presidential electors to vote for whomever they want, Chiafalo v. Washington and Colorado Department of State v. Backer. The plaintiffs, who were disciplined after deviating from their pledged candidates in 2016, enjoy ample support from the founding fathers. Their lawyers point to evidence that the Constitution's authors saw electors as free agents, not functionaries. But Washington state argues that the faithless voters' arguments crumble under examination and pose dangerous risks for our democracy. It would be bizarre, they say, to untether electors from their state's popular vote totals. One commentator warns that autonomous electors would throw the American constitutional system into crisis. The chaos that could result from the cases will test the convictions of justices who purport to hew to the original meaning of the Constitution. Negative Reinforcement – Powell Speaks Jerome Powell, Chairman of America's Federal Reserve, will today speak at an online event held by the Peterson Institute, a think tank. Mr Powell may be keen to play down talk of negative interest rates. Futures markets, in which traders bet on monetary policy decisions, last week flirted with the possibility of negative rates later this year and appears still to expect them in 2021. Several central banks, including the European Central Bank, have already taken rates below zero in recent years. And some economists, such as Kenneth Rogoff of Harvard University, want much more aggressive use of negative rates to fight the economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. But so far, the Fed has mostly resisted suggestions that it might breach zero, and it may lack the legal authority to do so. Mr. Powell will probably repeat that message and stress the efficacy of its other policy tools, such as bond buying and offering guidance about its future decisions. Blitzed. Britain's economy. Today's British GDP data are likely to be grim. Forecasters expect a quarter-on-quarter drop of around 2.5% for the first three months of the year, which would be a worse outcome than any experienced during the financial crisis of 2007-2009. That is despite the fact the British economy only began to shut down in late March. The second quarter will be worse, with a 20-30% fall in output possible. Though the speed and severity of the recession are unprecedented, so too is the government response. Yesterday, the Chancellor of the Exchequer announced the jobs retention scheme under which the government is paying 80% of the wages of furloughed workers up to £2,500, 3100 a month, will be extended again until October. The scheme was due originally to run only until May. However, from August, all firms will be asked to pick up some of the scheme's £8 billion a month cost, and some part-time working will be allowed. The ascending. Germany and Covid-19 It will be a battle-scarred Angela Merkel who fields questions from German MPs in the Bundestag today. The ultra-cautious Chancellor fears that reopening the country too quickly risks a second wave of infections, but her hesitant approach has been overridden by the eagerness of some of Germany's 16 state premiers to restart public life amid a big drop in Covid-19 cases. Hotels, restaurants, museums and churches began to reopen on May 6th, albeit slowly and with safeguards. Who is right? The estimated reproduction rate of COVID 19 in Germany had recently bumped slightly above one, meaning the average infected person passes on the virus to more than one other. It fell back below its replacement level on Tuesday. Some hotspots have reimposed restrictions under new emergency break provisions. Yet officials warn it is too early to draw conclusions. The effect of the most recent easing will not show up in infection rates for at least a fortnight. Upward Immobility – Malaysia's Economy Some Malaysians lament that their country is stuck in a middle-income trap. The data disagree. The country's GDP grew by a cumulative 27% over the past five years. Only two countries that were richer than Malaysia in 2014 grew faster over the same interval, Malta and Ireland. Given these trends, Malaysia looked poised to become a high-income economy in the first half of this decade. Sadly, it has suffered a severe setback since the COVID-19 virus appeared. The government imposed a lockdown on March 18, which it has only recently begun to ease. Figures released today showed that GDP growth slowed dramatically to 0.7% in the first quarter of this year relative to the same period of 2019, despite stimulus measures including wage subsidies, loan guarantees and even free internet. The damage will postpone Malaysia's economic ascent, but the delay owes more to the pandemic than to anything endemic to middle-income nations. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Daphne de Maurier, who was born on this date in 1907. Happiness is not a possession to be prized. It is a quality of thought, a state of mind. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.